Your green sheet has the hymn on it. It's our Transfiguration hymn coming up for this Sunday. Uh, it was not included in uh, TLH, Lutheran Worship. We had it, uh, number 87. Uh, however, stanzas two and three were combined into one stanza, and, and LW here, they've separated them back out, so we have all uh, six of the original stanzas, including the uh, third or the sixth verse, which has the references to the Trinity. All right, uh, this is one of those hymns that tells the story, the main story, which is Matthew 17, the Transfiguration. Uh, Anon. Anonymous. We don't know exactly who wrote the hymn. Uh, some put it back in the 14th century, some in the 15th. Um, we just don't know. Um, that's about the time that the, transfi- the, the celebration of the Transfiguration really took off. Um, and this is uh, almost Celtic kind of hymn. Comes out of that. That era comes out of the Sarum uh, rite. So, all right, let's go through. O wondrous type, O vision fair. O wondrous type, O vision fair. Of glory that the church shall share. Of glory that the church shall share. Which Christ upon the mountain shows. Which Christ upon the mountain shows. Where brighter than the sun he glows. Where brighter than the sun he glows. All right, so we're going to talk about the transfiguration. It describes it as a vision, a vision fair. Um, They got to see a vision. Uh, Jesus took the three up on the mountain, and there they got to see... Jesus, Moses, Elijah, shining in the sun. They got they got to see the, the vision. But it describes it as a wondrous type. What's this type thing? Well, type usually points you forward to something else. It's like something it's like something else, and it points you forward to it. Does it prefigure our, our, our ascension, ultimately when Christ says that? Is that that's what that means? Yeah, so we got to say, what's it like? What? We, I mean, is this, is this similar to what, we will, what will be with us? Yes. When? Well, when we're raised from the dead. Right. Jane? It was a type of heaven. A type of, it was a type of heaven. It's a type of heaven. Yeah. I'm just saying it's a it is. Yes, it's beautiful. It's, it's, um, and so this vision which they had, it says, now has been shared with the church. Uh, um, we join with it. We uh, uh, participate in it. We get it as well. One of my exegetical professors talked about how we have three appearances, three views into heaven. One is that the announcement of Jesus' birth. The other 
Transfiguration and the other one's at Ascension. Uh, the first is the baptism. What? Well, yeah, that. Baptism. Right. Heavens are opened, right? Right. Transfiguration and. Ascension. Ascension. And the Ascension. But see, they're also open with the announcement of Christ when the angels. Oh, I see what you're saying at the announcement. Yeah. That, that's where of the birth. It kind of explodes. Heaven Correct. explodes into time there oh. with the angels singing okay. about the birth of Christ. Now at Transfiguration, it's it's not it's not really a public thing. Jesus is there, and Moses is there, and, and the, the other guy, Elijah. <laughs> And, and the, the, the three apostles, you know, nobody else really seems to know about that. But there you are, Bingo, right here in heaven. They're, they're all talking together. And then, yeah. And so, these three that went up there share this vision with us. Uh, we will share what it points us forward to. It teaches us about heaven. It teaches about what we will receive. That probably is a clue to the uh, Jesus direction to those apostles that they're not supposed to speak about it until after he had risen from the dead. Get to that as well. So, um, it's a vision fair of glory that the church will share. We're going to have that glory. We're going to be there. This Peter saying, boy, it'd be good to be to stay here. Well, finally we will. Christ's up on the mountain and he is normally not seen in all his glory. Normally he looks just like a normal person. Though he is true God and true man, he uh, uh, doesn't reveal that. Here we have him revealing that. Stanza two. From age to age the tale declare. From age to age the tale declare. How with the three disciples there, how with the three disciples there, where Moses and Elias meet, where Moses and Elias meet, the Lord holds converse high and sweet. The Lord holds converse high and sweet. The reading that which we have for the Transfiguration is Matthew 17, where it says that Moses and Elijah are there and they're talking. But Luke's Gospel also records, actually I think Luke and Mark both record uh, the Transfiguration. Uh, Luke records in 9, verse 31, he tells us what they're talking about. It said... They were talking about his departure, it's the word exodus, which he would bring about soon in Jerusalem. So what are they talking about? Hmm? His death. His death. Yeah, they're talking about the atonement. They're talking about his, his suffering and death for us. And so this converse high and sweet this conversation is about the forgiveness of sins it's about what he's going to win on our behalf I've never heard of Elias instead of Elijah yeah um, uh, 
this happens quite a bit with um, uh, it's the ending of the of the word, and it all is about going from one language to another. Are you going to translate it? You know, with the nominative singular, are you going to translate? What ending are you going to put on it? And and that's where it comes from. So we often have uh, the more modern translations have Elijah. The other ones, mainly coming through the Latin, have Elias. Those kind of things. It, it, I can't even think of a. There's a couple more that are exactly like that. Um, Jehovah Yahweh. Yeah. Stanza three. The law and prophets there have place. The law and prophets there have place. The chosen witnesses of grace. The chosen witnesses of grace. So first it describes well, what is it? it describes the law and prophets. What's that? Moses and Elias. Yeah, exactly. And so each one is a representative, that of the law, that of all the prophets uh, uh, itself. Um, then you got the chosen witnesses, the three that are chosen that get to see this gracious thing. Uh, in addition to this, the Father's voice from out the cloud, the Father's voice from out the cloud. proclaims his only Son aloud. Proclaims his only Son this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased, uh, tells us that we are to listen to him. With shining face and bright array, with shining face and bright array, Christ deigns to manifest today. Christ deigns to manifest today. So he's revealing for us even this day what glory shall to faith be given. When we enjoy our God in heaven. When we enjoy our God in heaven. So we get to see the Father, Jesus as he will be. We get to see, uh, uh, as it says here, um, uh, the glory that comes to all who have faith. And Christians' hearts are raised on high. And Christian hearts are raised on high. By that great vision's mystery. By that great vision's mystery. For which in thankful strains we raise. For which in thankful strains we raise. On this glad day, the voice of praise. On this glad day, the voice of praise. And so, uh, when we see what we are to receive, we raise our voices in praise and thanksgiving. Uh, for what he has shown us ahead of time. And if you think of them, they got to see it even before he went to his cross. They knew what was uh, to come. The final stanza, O Father with the Eternal Son, O Father with the Eternal Son, and Holy Spirit ever one, and Holy Spirit ever one, vouchsafe to bring us by thy grace, to see thy glory face to face. And so we will see face to face the glory that he has. It's all a gracious gift to those who have it by, by faith. Um, it's familiar. Uh, 
stanza one. Wondrous type of vision fair of glory that the church shall share, which Christ upon the mountain shows, where brighter than the sun he glows. We'll sing the rest of it in just a bit. All right, we're on the confession. We took a look at uh Questions one and two. Uh, question number three. Uh, what is confession? It has two parts. Second, what sins do we confess? Those which uh, trouble us, those that we know and feel in our hearts. Which are these? Which are these sins which we are to confess? Repeat after me. Consider your place in life. Consider your place in life. According to the Ten Commandments. According to the Ten Commandments. Consider your place in life according to the Ten Commandments. Consider your place in life according to the Ten Commandments. So, if we're going to be confessing sins, what do we need to do? Well, we need to take a look at the Ten Commandments. Those are the things that tell us what God desires. Uh, they end up showing us our sin. And we ought to take a look at those Ten Commandments as it relates to our vocation. So, it may be, as we talk about uh, uh, your vocation as a hearer of the word, my vocation as a preacher of the word, God requires different things of us, uh, as God requires different things of those who are uh, a, a husband or a wife, or the, the one who is a father or a mother, whatever it is, Grab the Ten Commandments, take a look at the place where God has placed you, your vocation. Are you a father, mother? Are you a father, mother? Son, daughter? Son, daughter. Husband, wife, or worker? Husband, wife, or worker. So, we're going to take a look at those vocations. We're going to take a look, we're going to grab the Ten Commandments and see. All right. Um, Am I to point out the sins of my children? Yes. Uh, of my neighbor? Eh, that may not be given to me. If I'm a judge, okay. If I'm a pastor going over my... You know, there are other times when, no, that's not given me to do. So we have to take a look at those as it relates to our place in life. Next one. Have you been disobedient, unfaithful, or lazy? Have you been disobedient, unfaithful, or lazy? So, God has given us commands. Either we are to obey, we're to follow what he tells us to do. Um, there are also things which we have committed ourselves to, in which we are to be faithful to a marriage vow, faithful to a confirmation vow, faithful to whatever we have uh, um been entrusted, or we have been given a trust, uh, whether we've been given a home, or whether we've been given a, a land, or, 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 or a, a position in a, in, a, in a group. We are to be not lazy, but do what we have been uh, uh, given. So, have you been hot-tempered, 
rude, or quarrelsome? Have you been tempered, rude, or quarrelsome? So as we go about this task, um, not to uh, lose our temper, not to be uh, uh, harsh with others, rude with them, or uh, simply uh, uh, being the know-it-all who quarrels with everyone uh, concerning everything. Have you hurt someone by your words or deeds? Have you hurt someone by your words or deeds? Now, words and deeds, yes, we need to speak the truth, and yes, we need to do what is right, and yet um, those things need to be used in a way in which they help or assist our neighbor and... and Sometimes we want to use those to uh, uh, hurt or tear someone down, uh, just like we might say um, gossip. Uh, it may be true, but it may not be proper for us to uh, uh, spread it. Have you stolen, been negligent? Have you stolen, been negligent? Wasted anything? Wasted anything? Or done any harm? So concerning goods, don't take your neighbor's goods, seventh commandment. Don't be negligent in uh, uh, taking care of the things which God has given you. Um, waste not, want not, you know, don't do any harm. Yes, uh, those are the ways in which we take a look. We examine our life as it comes to uh, the Ten Commandments. I've got some quotes uh, that are from the Apology and from the Augsburg Confession. Listen to these. In the Apology, uh, Article 11, line 3, it talks about the time. With regard to the time, the time of confession... It is certain that most people in our churches use the sacraments, absolution, and the Lord's Supper many times a year. Our clergy instruct the people about the worth and the fruit of the sacraments in such a way as to invite them to use the sacraments often. What about this time, regarding the time which we might describe as the frequency. Um, how does the Lutheran Church go about the confessions? Confession of sins. Pretty well at the beginning of every service. Okay. We offer it. The general confession is pretty well at every service. Yeah, the divine services. Um, the order of Mass has a little different beginning, but pr pretty well all the divine services have that. Um, Okay. And we offer something you, that, you're, that you're allowed to do. It's just a thing given to us if we need it, but it's not a thing commanded, you know, where we're, we're like, you know, for example, you know, Catholics are required to do it a certain number of times a year. In other words, it's left to our conscience to decide whether we should or not. Very good. Um, when it comes to Lord's Supper, well, we give that all the time and for good reason. Because why, why shouldn't you want that if you're a Christian? Oh, very good. I mean, really? No. Um, do we force? Do we force you to come to Lord's Supper? 
Oh, we'll offer it. Um, and it says, you know what? Our, our people come many times making use of these, of these things. Um, Augsburg Confession, Article 11. Of confession, they, the Lutherans, teach that private absolution ought to be retained in the churches. Although in confession, an enumeration of all sins is not necessary, for it is impossible, according to the psalm, who can understand his heir, Psalm 19.12. What distinction did the Lutherans make? It's a gift rather than a law. It's okay. That's true. The one is I don't have to remember every sin I ever did in order to be forgiven of them. Because if I have to remember and enumerate every sin I've ever committed between one space and the next, forget it. I can't do that. I'm going to still be guilty of them if I'm not forgiven of them. So, if can absolution is dependent upon the oral confession, then we're in trouble. Well, again, if it's dependent on me, it fails. This is God doing the work again, not me. Correct. I think it's interesting, though, that I think it's just our sinful nature that despite the fact that private confession absolution is a gift, we still have trouble with sure, it because we, we see it as law. Um, despite we know that it's a gift, and we gladly would go to Lord's Supper and receive that, but when it comes to gladly going to private confession and receiving that gift of absolution, we struggle. Yeah. Let me note, once again... Private absolution ought to be retained. Why? Because it's a gift. Because it's good for us. Yeah, it's, it's good for us. Uh, yes. For the assurance of the weak at heart. Yes, that's exactly what it does. But then it goes on to say, but the oral confession, that's not required. We make a distinction as Lutherans. The pastor ought to give out the forgiveness of sins. Absolution is not optional. What is optional? Confession. The confession is. Well, see, I think it's interesting because confession has two parts. <laughs> confession by itself, the way the way the Catholic views it, is not confession. Confession. confession is confession and absolution, because without the absolution, there is no forgiveness. <laughs> and what, where were we having this discussion? Was that here last week? Did we have this discussion? Yeah. And that sort of went awry. I thought. Because because uh, the, they got separated. 
And we were talking about them as two different things. But they're one thing. Confession and absolution are one thing. They go together. You can't. That, that's what Luther's saying here. You just can't. You just can't. You can't separate them. If you have confession, you have to have absolution. True. Absolutely. Those go together. They're de- but we, but we make a distinction between, guess what? The absolution is to be retained. Why? Because that's commanded. It has to happen. That's the gospel. Right. That's the gospel. The actual oral confession of the sins is not required. It's allowed. It's a good thing. But it's not required. But who, who can remember all our right. <laughs> and, and, and when the Catholic Church does that, they're making people earn their forgiveness. Are they, in quotation marks, are they not? I'm going to come right back to that. <laughs> so, confession is, is definitely part of it. It's in that you're not saying we don't have confession, but what you're saying is that it can just be Yes, I'm a sinner. Correct. That can be the confession, and then the absolution is always the same. But Correct. Whether you are pointing out your individual Whether sins. Whether it's individual, one or two individual sins, or whether there's a bunch, or whether they're general, yeah, yeah, whatever that is. But the absolution has got to be retained. The absolution is to be there. Let me read another one. Apology, Article 11, Number 6. With regard to the enumeration of sins in confession, we teach men in such a way as not to ensnare their consciences. Think of that. And we teach it in such a way as not to... We teach them the enumeration of sins in confession. We teach men in such a way as not to ensnare their consciences. It is, of course, a good practice to accustom the unlearned to enumerate certain things so that they might be instructed more easily. And then finally, a little bit later, in number nine, it says, good pastors know how profitable it is to examine the inexperienced. So we teach, of course, If you have things that trouble you in your heart and bother you, we teach you to speak them out, to look at the Ten Commandments, to say, listen, I broke the Eighth Commandment and this is what I, you know, uh, um, of course. But we do it in a way as not to ensnare consciences. What does that mean? Despair. Really? Confused. It'll make you spend all your time trying to dream and remember everything you ever did confess. Right. It becomes then a, oh, did I, did I forget something? Not did I forget something? Did I do it right? Did I say everything? Did I, and we kind of go, no, no, no. Don't let that bother your conscience. Um, if, if something comes to mind, fine and good. If it's bothering you, say it. If you come and I can't think of anything, don't worry about that. Um, now, as it says here, what do we do? For those who are inexperienced, sometimes we help. Um, it's a good thing. Yes. If someone comes to you and confesses some sins, but has a sin that 
they confess and say they aren't sorry for. Of course, why they wouldn't confess it then, would they? You know, that, it, it's it's quite interesting. Um, I, I will say that um, you know most of us are quite hesitant. Most of us don't want to to do this. Uh, there is a comfortableness. There is uh, a release that comes with it. Um, there's a reason why I have tissues up in the front because it usually involves, uh, you know, an emotional release where it's been something that's been bothering me for so long and finally I got to. But there is a comfortableness because you go, okay, it's a safe place. You know, the pastor ears to be a tomb. He is not allowed to, you know, this, this is. And, and so there are times in which people will speak quite freely. And you're right, you, it sounds crazy, but in the midst of saying, you know, I, I did this and I'm really sorry and I did But I'm not sorry for that. Well, that's and, what I'm saying. Then can you give absolution? Well, so. To some of them, but not the others? That's a very good chance to instruct. Right. I'm just saying, that's what I was saying. If somebody comes to you and says, I'm having an affair with my neighbor's wife, and I lie to my wife, and I'm sorry about that, but I'm not sorry about <laughs> right, right. that. You, know, right. you can't declare right. uh, absolution for lying to their wife, can you? If you got a wife, there's lots of other problems. You got No, but, but that, that is, is a perfect time to instruct right. and to say, you know, concerning this or, or what. And, and, and it's not a matter of, you know, it's, and, and you have to say as pastor, listen, that's still a breaking of the commandment. You know, what someone else did to you was wrong. What you did back to them also was wrong. I mean, I, and, and, and you do have to speak of those, of those things. Um, you know, you will come back to, and do you believe that you are a sinner? You know, do you want God to help you? With, and uh, yeah, sometimes there are things that we're still, str- you know, what do I do? I come and go, you know, I'm really sorry because I don't want to forgive somebody. You kind of go, well, not forgiving is a sin, but I'm coming to get the forgiveness to help me. I don't want to yet, but I'm hoping through the forgiveness I will. Um, so yes, um, you, you know, you're never going to like, I don't go, okay, Three out of four. Well, that's what I'm saying. When you declare absolution, you're telling them their sins are forgiven. forgiven. But if they've got something you know that they have admitted but are not repentant of, then you can't forgive any of them. What now? It never ends there, though. It never ends, no. It never ends with, well, I'm sorry for these and not for this, and that's the end of the discussion. It never ends there, so he doesn't have that. Opportunity yeah. to only forgive part. No, no. Um, and and again, you you put it in that context. You know that's why you're coming. Um, you're coming. I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Is that right? Oh, okay. Um, you know. Yes, I'm. I'm not quite. Those are the things that uh, uh, that we do. Anyway, that gives a couple of the uh, quotes uh, that kind of puts the context on our uh, on our practice of private confession and absolution, and I thought that would be helpful. It turned out as well. One more comment on this is that we 
themselves never muster up the strength to confess a sin. The Holy Spirit always does that, working through the Word. The fact that we confess our sins is a gospel act on God's part. He drives us to confess our sins. And, 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 we have a hard time realizing how graceful he really is. Um, and, and, you know, and, and maybe what Jane says uh, teaches us that we are a work in progress and, and God is doing the working. Um, if you wait, you know, that was the problem. We talk about ensnaring the consciences. That was the problem with the Roman church. What was it? You, you, wanted, you knew you needed to go, but you couldn't go there because you didn't have it all worked out yet. And so you kept waiting and wait. Well, I'll confess next week. Well, I'll, you know, then I can, then I'll make the perfect confession. And you never did. You never did. And even if you did go, you, you still didn't trust the forgiveness because you didn't think you did your part. Correct. Correct. You never knew. There was always doubt. And, and that's the, that's the thing with this. No, you don't wait until then. You come no matter when. Um, because God's still working, and in fact, you know, it leads us. Um, even as you're making confession, you will you will say things that you went, "Wow, uh, that came out my mouth." Um, the Lord's the Lord works that for us. Um, the, the reason I asked that I knew a woman whose husband was straight. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, when she found out about it, he'd say, "Well, I'm sorry, I didn't tell you," but but. I'm not sorry because this woman, other woman is, she's my whatever, you know, soulmate, you know. So, I mean, I realize that that's yeah. a, I don't know. Um, there are times that you do have to tell someone no, you know. Um, if they want to hold to their sin, if they are not you know, willing to hear the word of God on that, um, there are times you have to do that. Uh, I mean, Oh, yeah. To give you know the the classic example is you know um, I'm coming in here, Pastor. Um, I'm going to go and and you know, kill my neighbor, and I want forgiveness before I do it. I mean that's the classic example where the pastor says absolutely not. You know I bind your sin to you, and that's that's the way it is um, because that's that's not what. This confession forgiveness is, um, but there's many weaknesses that we deal with uh, quite a bit. All right, let me light the candles. We'll begin. Could I, could I before you? Sure, go ahead. Keep talking. A prayer for a friend, Larry Vansel. He is um, having to serve about a year and a half in prison unjustly. And he's no spring chicken. <laughs> Sorry, you're going to have to repeat for my hearing aids. Oh. I thought I could hear it. He's a friend of mine. His name's Larry Vance. He's sentenced to four years in prison today. Okay. And, um, gotcha. What he did is he pled guilty because he was too terrified of court to face pity not guilty. 
and you know, this is a case of he shouldn't be going to jail at all, but he's going, but he's but he has going because he's afraid. Let's include him in our prayers. Absolutely. And his wife, Debbie. Yes. Oh Lord, open my lips. And my mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ. Alleluia. You may be seated. The reading is on the back. It's Matthew 17. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise and do not be afraid. When they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. Now as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them, saying, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. This is God's word. Our hymn, O Wondrous Type, O Vision Fair. O wondrous type, O vision fair, of glory that the church shall share, which Christ upon the mountain shows, where brighter than the sun he glows. From age to age the tale declare, how with the three disciples there, where Moses and Elias meet, the Lord holds converse high and sweet. The law and prophets have place, the chosen witnesses of grace, the Father's voice from out the cloud proclaims his only Son aloud. With shining face and bright array, Christ deigns to manifest today. What glory shall to faith be given? When we enjoy our God in heaven, 
and Christian hearts are raised on high. By that great vision's mystery, for within thankful strains we raise, on this glad day the voice of praise. O Father with the Eternal Son, and Holy Spirit ever one, thou safe to bring us by thy grace to see thy glory face to face. Amen. You may be seated. So, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. Uh, these are the inner three uh, apostles, uh, the ones that he uh, drew close to him at, at various times and uh, took them with him. He takes them up uh, on the mountain. It would appear uh, that, you know, as Pastor Rin said, it's a private event <laughs> by invitation only. And yet it's not intended well, to be private forever. Um, but it needs to be kept quiet for a while until he has risen from the dead. And so uh, uh, he chose you know, these, these three. We do know of it. And evidently it was good for those three that they might uh, receive it. It says that he was trans... Figured. His figure is the way that he looks. His figure is trans. It's changed. He no longer looks just like a man. Now his face shines like the sun. Uh, this shining out. Uh, even his clothes are, are affected by this. Um, what about Moses? He went up and met with God on the mountain. What happened to him? His face reflecting God's glory. Even his face shone for for a while. He saw him face to face, and so here we see. Uh, uh, oh God, um, we celebrated this day the conversion of Saint Paul. Uh, he was knocked down by a bright light on the road to Damascus, and this light shining down. Who are you? I am Jesus. What about Elijah? Or Elias, as it said in our hymn. What about Elijah? Maybe not a light experience, but... God came and took him, took him up. Took him up in he, what? In a, in a fiery chariot. A fiery chariot. Flames. He never even experienced death. Wow. Um, so we have Moses, who is the great lawgiver. We've got Elijah, who is considered the greatest of the prophets. We have one who has met with God on a mountain. We have one who is taken up to be with God already. Um, yes. What, what, what about this? Here they are um, up on the mountain, and Jesus appears in all his glory, and they see Moses and Elijah. How do Peter, James, and John, how, how do they know it's Moses and Elijah? The Holy Spirit? 
Moses is holding the Ten Commandments. <laughs> and Elijah... The latest painting. <laughs> what's, about, what's, what's significant about Elijah if you're going to paint him? Is he bald? Is cloak or something? Most of the prophets are pictured as bald because they're all old guys. <laughs> Yeah, because he left it for Elijah, so he he doesn't have his chasuble on. Uh, he must have sitting in a sorry chariot, maybe. <laughs> Usually, they picture him in the same uh, garb that John the Baptist. So this kind of rough camel's hair, kind of rugged, you know, kind of thing. Um, that's the thing. I, yeah, do we know? Um, <laughs> name tags. They had name tags on. <laughs> the, uh, um, I, you know. When we get to heaven, we'll know who these people are too. Yeah, yeah. And, and I've heard that before. Am I gonna know my, you know, mother, my wife, my, you know, when they have? Of course you will. Um, you know, yeah. So. Uh, um, but yeah. you like her even more. And yeah, <laughs> I like her more of the time. Yeah, no, um, exactly. So they're there. They get to see each other. They um, uh, they get to see Moses and Elijah. As I mentioned before, they're talking with Jesus. There is a conversation. Now we've already said we know what the conversation is. Why, though, would they have this conversation with Jesus? What's its purpose? Would this be strengthening him for the task ahead? Very good. Um, we, we normally think of our God, but we've got Jesus, who's true God and true man. Is this vision for his benefit for his strengthening. Well, yes. That's not the only purpose, but yes. It seems odd that it would be for his purpose considering his transfiguration here to where he is appearing in his godlike form mm-hmm. that he would they would be using this opportunity to strengthen his human nature at this point. Mm-hmm. Which I guess it's possible but it seems more relevant for Peter and uh, James and John. And us. I, I, I will not discount the first. I know, like you said, I, I, I hear what you're saying. You know, it sounds like a little, hmm. And yet it does seem to be a divine pep talk, not just a kind of, oh, let's, do, let's talk about this so they can overhear. If there's actually something going on where they're saying to him, you're going, you know, this is your... And from this point on, he sets his eyes towards Jerusalem. So, yes, that. And yet, Peter, James, and John do get to hear this conversation between Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. But Peter talks about that in his epistle, you know, and that's a strange thing for us that we know what actually, well, I'm not sure what you want to, how I want to say it, but it, you know. 
So we'll we look forward to. We have the gospel much more sure in the word than it was on the mountaintop. Yeah. Right. And I think if 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 we look at the Exodus, the Exodus started in Egypt with Mo, at the beginning when Moses came and, and all the miracles that all all the stuff. You see, if 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 never worked there the, the the Israelites had to be drugged through the Red Sea basically they had to be drugged into the promised land they never did anything right and so from, a, from an earthly perspective the, the exodus was a total catastrophe but God accomplished his purpose Crucifixion looks like a total catastrophe, but God accomplished His purpose. It, it, it's, it's not the problem; isn't with God; it's with us. We're so short-sighted. Yeah. It was probably a strengthening for Peter, James, and John when they went out to <laughs> proclaim the gospel. That having seen that, had to give them. Well, that's what Peter. That's what Peter writes. Yeah, it's almost a, or it is a picture. Yes. Did we read? Did we see about it being a type today? It's a picture of the whole church, and the unity, and the. It's all about where he's going and what he's doing. It's like the perfect picture, really, isn't it? Them. So put it in this context. What do we have? We have Jesus. You know halfway through his ministry, making his way from this point on to Jerusalem. Um, he's been teaching his disciples the whole way. They get to see the end game. They get to see what it is. Peter says, let's just stay. But you can't stay. If you don't go to the cross, there'll be no vision. There'll be no end to this. And so you've got to go. You've got to go back. They go down the mountain. All of the glory goes away, and he has to set his way to the cross. Um, right. Is this a type? Yes. It's a vision of what we'll get. It's also a vision of what we have to go through, because every one of us, in order to get to heaven, has to go through our death. That there is this. His ways aren't our ways. We've got to go, we've got to go through this. That the conversation that is happening there. Um, what's the conversation about? Well, you know, we, we, we think that there's so many glorious, uh, uh, you know, we ought to talk about, we ought to talk about the millennium. We ought to talk about eternal election. We ought to talk about you know, the treasury of the saints and, and, and we ought to talk about, you know, that, that's all <coughs> the heady religion. We ought to talk about predestination. That's what they ought to be talking about. No! What are they going to talk about? Jesus suffering and death and dying on the cross in Jerusalem. Wow! Um, the uh, um, you, I mean, you're believers. You come. You're part of the church. You come to hear this every Sunday. You come on Wednesday to hear this. 
Um, how many of your friends, relatives, whoever, that they kind of go, well, I, you guys already know that Jesus died on the cross, right? I mean, did you go, is that what, I mean, didn't the pastor, what did he talk about this time? We talked about Jesus again. Well, I, I kind of thought, yeah, that's why I quit going to church, because I just don't want to hear about that. Well, well, I already know it. I mean, but here's Jesus and Moses and Elijah, and they're talking about it. Um, this is church. We love that. We yeah, Tell me more about my Jesus. Uh, that's what he needs to know. To be, That's what we need to be strengthened with. Uh, that's the whole point of the whole history of salvation. Sure, we do a whole lot of other things along the way. You know, we raise the chi- children, we put air conditioners on top of buildings, we, you know, we do all kinds of stuff. But the most important thing is Jesus. And I guess it's pretty obvious how badly we need to be completely strengthened because, after all, you know, these three guys are guys that we put the word saint in front of their name to recognize, you know, they were, that they did things that were worthy out of note besides just being the apostles. And yet, despite being told over and over again, and seeing this, they still didn't get it. Until he finally came back, rose from the dead, said, here I am, now let me give you some clues because you can't seem to get it straight. Right. I mean, they knew, and they still didn't understand that. Is that so if these guys can blow it, how badly can we blow it, right? You know, these guys are like us. Um... Right. So what happens? God the Father wishes to give them the vision to strengthen them. Great. What do the apostles do? They say to Jesus, let's just stay up here. Freeze. <laughs> you know, I mean, you can see the Father going, no, you know, slapping them around. <laughs> you know, I gave you the vision so that we could all go to the cross and you could, this could happen. And, and, you know, at every point, yes, it's the, the, it doesn't happen. But the only thing that finally brings it is don't tell anyone till after I have risen from the dead. It's only the resurrection of Jesus that makes everything uh, clear, which allows all of our bumbling, which allows all of our coming down the mountain, where we go, well, yeah, that's okay. I, I got heaven. I was just thinking, Peter going, let's stay here. It's like, is that the theologian of glory or what? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, it, it... And then Jesus says, no, you got to be a theologian of the cross. Right, right. <laughs> um, it's not that we don't desire heaven. It's just the way that God gives it out. Uh, Oh, you can't stay here. Heaven comes through the cross. Just had to wait till Pentecost and the Holy Spirit came and gave them understanding. Right. Um, and what's going to happen? They're going to talk about Jesus. Sex. They're going to talk about the crucifixion again and again. That's that's what this is. Um, the Father directs our attention to Jesus. Jesus is going to teach us and to tell us. Um, you know, uh, Jesus comes up, uh, they fall down on their faces because they can't handle the glory yet. Um, 
It says that Jesus came and touched them. We already had Jesus come down the mountain and touch the leper and make him clean. Now Jesus has been on a high mountain. He touches the apostles to take away their fear and they can come down from the mountain. Arise and do not be afraid. Do not fear. Uh, we've got something to do. We've got somewhere to go. Um, they lifted up their eyes and what do they see? No one but Jesus only. That's what we have as the church. We don't have anything else that we can hold on to, anything else that we can strengthen. We've got Jesus and Jesus only. And with that, I can go through cancer. I can go through whatever I need to go through uh, in this world. Now, as they came down from the mountain, the mountaintop experience, uh, Tell the vision to no one until the Son of Man is risen from the dead. There's always a negative and a positive. That's the negative. If you're going to say a positive, you say what? After I've risen, tell. (laughs) Proclaim it. Let, let, Let everyone know that that was the plan all along. He's talking to sinful people there. He has to tell them, don't do it now. Specifically telling them what's going to happen. They're still going to blow it. Yes, yes. (laughs) All right. Uh, Any other questions? Get out your blue sheet, your responsive prayer for catechesis. We stand. Holy God, holy and most gracious Father. You shall have no other gods. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. He says, I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt him also in the company of the people and praise him in the company of the elders. He turns rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground. A fruitful land into barrenness, for the wickedness of those who dwell in it. He turns a wilderness into pools of water, and dry land into water springs. There he makes the hungry dwell, that they may establish a city for a dwelling place. And so fields and plant vineyards, that they may yield a fruitful, fruitful harvest. He also blesses them, and they multiply greatly. And he does not let their cattle decrease. Whoever is wise will observe these things, and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. Glory be to the the Father, Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful words to the children of them. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Let us pray. O God, who in the glorious transfiguration of your only begotten Son confirmed the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of the fathers, and who in the voice that came from the bright cloud did in a wonderful manner foreshow the adoption of sons, mercifully make and keep us co-heirs with the King of his glory and bring us to the enjoyment of the same, through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, uh, we ask uh, that you would grant patience, that you would grant comfort, uh, that you would grant strengthening to uh, uh, someone who is uh, unjustly uh, uh, sentenced, We ask, dear Lord, that uh, you would uh, continue to uh, shower your uh, love upon him. Uh, We ask also that you would uh, uh, strengthen and be with uh, his wife. We ask it through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Oh, I forgot the final petition. On the back of the blue sheet. (laughs) Oh, God who has sounded into our ears thy divine and salutary oracles. Illuminate the souls of us sinners to the comprehension of that which has been read, 
so that we may not only be seen to be hearers of spiritual things, but doers of good works, following after faith without guile, blameless life, conversation without charge of guilt, in Christ Jesus our Lord, with whom thou art blessed, and with thy most holy and good and quickening spirit, now and ever and to ages of ages. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless us, defend us from all evil, and bring us to everlasting life.